Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Introducing Carissa Green Industries. Let's get ready to launch. joined by Gabriel Gomez. Gabe is a cyber professional, entrepreneur, and co-host of the Binary Barbershop podcast. He has been in tech for the past 10 years and has experience in business software, health, cybersecurity operations, and real estate, which is his secret passion. Additionally, he is an educator and is passionate about cyber and tech education for youth and the development of talent within the field. Originally from the Bronx, New York, he currently resides in Charleston, South Carolina with his wife and two sons. He is a veteran of the United States Marine Corps and his certifications include PMP, CISP, CH and other cybersecurity certifications. Hey Gabriel, how you doing? Doing well, thank you. Okay, so let's jump straight into this. I know that you have just finished a baseball game and you're <laughs> still pumping up that adrenaline, so let's dive straight into it. Still getting it going. I'm ready to go. You've been in and around the military in one form or another for a long time. How has this experience shaped you in the way you approach your work? Hmm. Um, you know, I think um, the military kind of lays things out very systematically. So um, what I would take away from that is probably the systematic approach to doing things, um, you know, focusing on the end game. And then really trying to work in a team dynamic. So if if I had to kind of say that the biggest things were there's obviously team building. So um, cyber is very much a, a team effort. And um, even when you're dealing with stakeholders, um, you want to make sure that you're building a team and that you're at least fostering a relationship. And so um, with the military, the way that we you know operate there is that we're very systematic to things. Um, we do focus kind of on that end game and, and the ultimate outcome and very a team dynamic kind of uh, atmosphere. So all of those things work very well into um, cyber and the way that we approach, um, you know, different aspects of cyber. So, um, you know, if I if I had to pick top three, I think those would be them. And you talk more about the, you know, being systematic on everything. And I know that's obviously a big thing being in the military. Can you explain a little bit more detail around what that looks like, you know, versus more in the public private sector? Yeah. So um, the military is, and for lack of better terms, we we tend to dumb things down a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we it's it's the big kiss method, right? Keeping it simple. Um, and so what we really try to do is uh, whether it is planning a mission or it's you know putting a, a process around the way that we do things is is very systematic. And so we we look at it like. Um, you know, if someone else had to do this job tomorrow, the, the hit by bus theorem, um, you know, what would they have to do? How would they have to do things and what kind of skills would they need to be successful? So it is, you know, literally outlining and having a turnover binder of, um, you know, actions and requirements and things that someone would need to do a particular job. Um, and conversely, you know, if we were to audit someone or do something along that lines, um, you know, they would have a very, you know, um, 
a very systematic way of, of detailing the job that they're doing. Uh, and so, you know, that, that tends to help, um, when you're doing things that are very technical in nature, um, and things are, are very, um, flow oriented. So, you know, in order to do this particular output, you need to have these three inputs. And, and so, um, when we look at cyber as a whole, um, you know, being able to say, okay, what's the next step? And, you know, what is the expected outcome of this next step? Uh, that's kind of where we where we tend to, to say things are very systematic. Now, that, that's a really good approach. And I think from your perspective, do you see a quite a massive gap on how security is being conducted in the military versus those public and private sectors in terms of gap analysis? Um, I definitely think that um, you know the military, just in its nature alone, is is very security or security oriented. Um, so it, it's almost like second nature in the military, where you know obviously in the in the commercial sector or the private sectors, um, the the focus is on business or the business that they're um, you know tending to. So uh, I think. S- you know, security and and cyber, for that matter, um, tend to be an afterthought. And so it is a very good way of of approaching those things systematically because um, you you tend not to to leave those gaps open, like you mentioned, the gap analysis. Um, you you tend to try to cover all of your bases and then all of the routes to those bases. So we we try to be very very detail oriented, um, but with a a process flow. Um, and so that's that's kind of you know one of the things that uh, has made us successful in the commercial sectors um, is that you know we try to be very detail oriented, but we we're also very consultative. Um, and so we're not we're not expecting everyone to do things like that we would in the military, but we we know what that end end game should look like, and so we kind of help guide that process. And so I think someone with a military background um, you know tends to to recre- gather those requirements a little better because they they tend to look at things very, very systematically. Yeah, sure. I think that makes a lot more sense and gives a a bit of a a better view into what that process looks like. And I think the other thing that I I know about you in the second most notable area has been your project management experience, which is in and around the the tech space. And you seem Mm -hmm. to have pivoted towards a deeper, more technical career route in more recent years. So can you tell me more about that? Like what led you to, to, to do that, the challenges you've encountered and what PM skills you found really helpful in the more recent roles you've had? Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, th- there was a time in my career where um, I think I kind of plateaued as a project manager, and I was looking at um, you know the types of projects that I wanted to lead more, and and what I what I always have been as kind of a, a techie person, um, never very technical and in, in skill per se in in the uh, cybersecurity world, but. Um, I kind of saw the writing on the wall and where where industry was going and where the kind of world was was leaning to, and I just decided, you know, hey, this the 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 cybersecurity aspect of um, you know project management. In order for me to be taken seriously as a project manager, I'm going to need to have some of those technical skills. I'm going to need to be able to talk, you know, the tech talk with with those people that ultimately I would be leading as a project manager in in, in project teams. And so, I decided, um, you know, one to uh, go back. And get a master's degree in in IT management, um, and at the same time, I was actually selected for a group 
um, called the Wounded Warrior Cyber Combat Academy. And so it's not to be um, confused with the Wounded Warrior Project, but it was a very similar um, philanthropic, um, you know, support towards veterans and, and retraining veterans to work on the cyber battlefield. So what they did was they uh, all free of charge, um, you know, no cost to the veteran themselves, uh, took us through the very basic A plus skills that we would need to be basic computer technicians, all the way through things like certified ethical hacking and, um, you know, the, the certified information security specialist, so the CISSP. Um, so that was kind of a blessing. Um, and, and those kinds of things really led to me becoming more technical in that um, what I decided to do was um, really take a step back, <laughs> take a huge pay cut for that matter, but I knew that in the end it would, it would ultimately work out. Um, so I took a position as a security engineer um, where I could actually start putting my hands on keyboards and, and you know, really digging into the technical aspects of, of, you know, what it was that eventually I would be, you know, leading. Um, and over the last couple of years, you know, I've, I've had some, some really great experiences doing a lot of different things in, in the cyber world. I got to really spread my wings um, and do a lot of different things in cyber. So not just, uh, you know, ANA, but I've dabbled a little bit in forensics and pen testing and, um, you know, industrial control systems, all of those things. So um, it, it's, it's been a really good run for me, I think. Um, and, you know, so that'll uh, coupled with, um, you know, seeking out more technical issues in, in a really fast environment um, kind of helped with kind of the, the trial by fire. So, um, you know, I was constantly challenged. I was constantly looking at new things. And so uh, it was a really, really big opportunity for me. And I just think that it's just how the, the cards kind of played out for me. Um, but, you know, anyone I think has the who has the aptitude for it can can do it. Um, and, you know, I would just say try different things, try as many different, um, you know, vectors of cyber that you can and ultimately find one that works for you. So I was blessed and fortunate enough to to have a pretty broad experience technically. Um, and then, you know, couple that with, you know, the project management experience. Um, I just I felt like it, uh, you know, it, it was a, a pretty good fit. Um, I understood. And one of the things that kind of made me. Um, you know what we what we call the the uh, flame throwing unicorn in our in our industry is wow. someone who, who is techie and can also um, you know speak with the C suites if you will um, and and being able to to converse with both of those you know different um, groups of people uh, obviously they speak you know two different languages when it comes to things that are important to them um, but as a PM I, I I knew how to communicate with certain stakeholders. Um, and now that I was more technical, it allowed me to speak with uh, with some of the more technical stakeholders than, than I could before on other projects. That's a really good point that you make. And sorry to go back to the flame-throwing unicorn. Is that correct? <laughs> That's right. The flame-throwing How- unicorn. Well, I'm guessing obviously unicorn meaning rare. How? What's yeah. your approach on hustling more people who perhaps do have a technical background to sort of step up to be that that voice and that that conduit between the technical and the business? Because I know you and I have spoken about this before, that mm-hmm. it's a rare hybrid area. So what would be your advice to someone perhaps who is technical that can take a step up in their career to perhaps become that voice and become that person that people can rely on to understand what all these 
you know, technical jargony words mean. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's it's definitely understanding your audience, um, and and where you know the the stigma behind extremely technical people is that they they don't communicate very well. Well, mm-hmm. it, it, I don't think that's the case. I just think they communicate in terms that you know other people who are not techie just don't do, and 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 that I think that's fair for for really every. Um, you know, profession, um, you know, obviously there the, are different roles and things, but my advice or, or my, my kind of guidance to them is to always work on polishing their presentation and communication skills. Um, you know, at some point you're going to be the technical SME and you're going to have to uh, share that, you know, technical knowledge and outputs, um, you know, with a, a group of some sort. Um, one of the biggest things that I see is that, uh, you know, most people want to get into cyber and they want to become hackers, right? And everybody's like, you know, oh, I want to do the sexy part of cyber and I want to I want to hack and I want to do all that. And, and I explain that, you know, uh, unfortunately, the, the actual hacking portion is a very small piece of what actually has to go into, you know, the, the, the entire process of hacking, for example, you know, there's, there's tons and tons of reconnaissance that needs to happen. And that's, you know, uh, knowing who your target is and doing all that stuff. But at the end, ultimately most white hat hackers are paid to not just hack, but to provide an output of some sort. So whether that's a report or a, a report of findings, you have to be able to communicate those things with your end customer. And you have to do it in a way that's going to make sense to them. So if you're talking to C-suites, it, it should boil down to dollars and cents, ROI, those kinds of things. You need to understand those business aspects if you're going to eventually um, you know, become a leader in your field um, where you're going to deal with a lot more people that are that are not technical. So my advice would definitely be um, you know, work on those presentation skills, work on um, you know, your, your communication skills and being able to break things down in the simplest terms or just relay them to things that you're ultimately your end customer can understand. And sometimes that takes a little bit of emotional intelligence mm-hmm. um, and, and really getting to know how you're received um, and, and ultimately what your message is and, and how you're presenting that. So th- some of those soft skills uh, are, are really where the flame comes from that flame throwing unicorn. <laughs> so. Uh- Sorry to harp on a little bit about the soft skills side of things, and I've been, I was I've been reading some articles lately, and I think I saw some people just on social media sort of almost ragging on people that do have soft skills, saying like, "Hey, these guys aren't super technical; like, they don't really have a place in security." So, what's your mm. thoughts on that? Because I think that that can be very. It can be. I find it quite condescending that people can say that because I think that there's there's a good balance, and I don't think that one's better or the other. But I still feel that people who are really technical that might not necessarily be heavily good at communicating are sort of ragging on people that not, might not necessarily have that. You know, like you said, white hat hacker technical skills or deep understanding of that area, but. I want to get what your thoughts are, are on it and, you know, just understand a little bit more about what well, you Sure. Think. Yeah. And, and I think, um, I've had experience with, with both sets of, um, technical people where they, they understood that it was a shortcoming if they weren't or didn't have some soft skills. And I've also met with people that were like, oh, well, he's not technical. We, we really don't want to deal with him. And, 
you know, unfortunately, well, fortunately and unfortunately, the world of, of security and business, the, those lines are, are now being very blurred. Um, mm-hmm. The rise of the CISO, all those things where, you know, at some point, uh, no matter how deeply technical you are, you're going to have to communicate with people that ultimately are going to be paying for whatever it is that you're technically <laughs> doing, right? right? And they're yeah. not necessarily the most technical people, or they could, they could be, um, but you need to learn how to communicate. And and if you if you can't do that, um, I just think the way the world is moving now is, um, you know, if you if you can't present findings in a way that people understand then you're not going to be in business very long and, and, you know, you'll, you'll become a legacy product, unfortunately. But, you know, the, the, the fortunate part is the people that I've worked with um, have always been open-minded and I tried to develop a culture of that, of, of, you know, being open-minded and, and continuously learning. And it's not just technical skills, but, you know, being able to, again, go back to presenting findings or, um, you know, telling someone um, that, you know, their, their security posture may not be the greatest. You have to have some sort of tact when you do that. And you can't really just go in and say, you know, their baby's ugly. Um, that's not going to go over very well. You know? No, not really. And, and, and unfortunately <laughs> I've seen that, but, um, you know, I, I would say that uh, they, they need to take a serious look at, you know, the, the type of people um, that they're ragging on. And I just don't think there's a there's a spot for it. Obviously, you're not going to have someone who is not a very technical person fill a very technical role. But there are roles in security that require people to have those soft skills and 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 look at things like project schedules and and budgets and, you know, those kinds of things, because ultimately that's what a project team is is made up of. You know, you're, you're going to have some matrix people that are going to come into the to the project that that have to watch those things, you know, um, and everybody has a role. And, and the quicker that you learn to to play nice with other roles and, and maybe cr- do some cross training, um, that's ultimately just going to pr- make you a better professional in the end absolutely and i think off the back of all this technical talk it leads me to my next question and that there are a lot of people in that technical realm that are starting to pick up on the use of sops which are essential to their organization i think a lot of this has come from the military bleed over but what is your process to understanding and reverse engineering processes within infosec and how do mm-hmm. you go about adapting or building SOPs to tackle challenges within the industry? So um, I'm I'm definitely a big process guy. That kind of goes b- back to that, you know, day one training of the hit by bus theorem, right? And so mm-hmm. SOPs are, are extremely important because, you know, ultimately it boils down to how does someone get their job done um, or how does someone, you know, ensure that something is getting done? Um, and I was pretty lucky early on to be a project manager and a, and a consultant prior to getting into InfoSec. And so, um, one of the things that I do is, is try to really take that consultative approach, asking good questions, you know, actively listening. Um, and I spent a lot of time, excuse me, <clears throat> on whiteboarding, um, whiteboarding and mind maps. Um, I use a lot of those things and because I, I ultimately have to understand every input and output um, pretty much like I would a work breakdown structure with activities and things in the project management world is when you're developing a, a, an SOP or standard operating procedure, 
you really need to understand all of the, the, the inputs, the outputs, and ultimately what it is that you're trying to do. So the military is very good at that and, and working through, um, you know, different processes. So with, with that bleed over and, and, and bringing that into the industry, I think that a lot of organizations who are, are not security minded, um, an SOP would be a perfect thing for them to start at. And it, it's kind of like a self audit where you'll just say, um, you know, well, what it is, it, what is it that we're trying to secure? Um, you know, what kind of data are we working with? And then kind of figure out and, and build a, uh, a, a process around how you want to do that. And there, and it goes into just really, again, asking the right questions, knowing what it is, the end goal is the end goal is, and then, you know, what are the inputs that we need to do? And and so whiteboarding sessions, mind mapping, things like that are, are really big inputs into developing SOPs. Um, and let's face it, there right about now, there are tons and tons and tons of, um, you know, t- templates that are out there. And so, you know, you don't always have to recreate the wheel, but I think the process of putting a, a, a standard operating procedure together is just as important as having one, um, you know, because it, it does force a lot of people to think about what it is that they're trying to do. Um, and, it, and it brings awareness and it brings a little bit more insight into the risk management side of things. And sometimes just that process alone is worth its weight in gold. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the other things is, you know, my company, KBI, seems to carry a kind of related mantle about the best way of communicating highly technical areas with exec leadership. And I have my own war stories and I imagine you do too. So, Phil? <laughs> yeah. So, really, again, it just kind of it boils down to understanding your audience, right? Um, if I'm talking to a group of executives who are schedule driven or they're ROI driven, um, obviously, I'm going to want to present. Um, you know, the security and the technical information in a way that makes sense to them. We always call that the WIFM approach, right? The what's in it mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really the, the best thing that, you know, has worked well for me is understanding what the audience is um, and then presenting information in a way that they're going to see it. Um, and I just think that takes a little bit of experience and time with, you know, maybe presenting security findings in a way that, you know, makes more sense. For an example, um, if if I'm going to tell someone that, you know, they don't have the correct access control, um, you know, measures in place, what I would do is not only tell them that you don't have those in place, but what is the risk of not having those in place and what could the potential, um, you know, impact be to business if they don't do that in a relatively quick time frame? Um, you know, what are they opening themselves up to by not having, um, you know, said security um, access control policies in place? Um, a lot of times, you know, if again, just depending on who you're talking with, um, it really just depends on what they're looking for. Um, and knowing that audience, having a little bit of emotional intelligence, again, goes back to just kind of really understanding what it is they want to see. Um, again, that consultative approach and looking at that, what's in it for me theorem has, has always been my go-to and has kind of tended to work for me. Um, and then really just asking the right questions. So, um, a lot of times, uh, you know, I, I tend to ask as many things as I can beforehand so that I can adjust to whatever it is that they're looking for. I think that's that's pretty bang on, and I think you spoke before about communicating the risk. Now, in your experience, do you think this is an area that people just aren't communicating? They're completely just 
missing it and there's a massive gap. So I'm guessing these executives are going like, yeah, cool. I have to, you know, drop half a million to this stuff, but why? Yeah. I mean, that is definitely why is, um, I look at it as, listen, I, I don't care if I'm asking you to spend a thousand dollars or a million dollars. It's a, it's a line item on your budget somewhere. Right. And I have to, to, to show you the importance of why spending a thousand dollars now could avoid us from having to pay millions in penalties or millions in loss of revenue or, you know, all the things that could come with a breach. You know, it's, it's a, um, it's a definite, um, you know, cyclic approach to a loss. It's, it's not just the, you know, loss of the data. It's the cost to rebuild your data, the cost of lost productivity during that time frame, the PR nightmare that, you know, God forbid you have to, you know, um, you, you have to kind of, you know, do that. And if, if, especially if you're a big company, like some of the companies that have, have been in the news, um, you know, there, there's so many additional costs that come into the play. Um, and I, I don't think um, that we do enough as, as security professionals in kind of looking back at that. We spend a, spend a lot of time focusing on just the, the, the material, the technical fact of what it is that we're trying to secure, that we don't do a good enough job kind of peeling back that onion a little bit more and just saying, here is why this is important. Um, and ultimately kind of letting them make the decision, you know, our job, a lot of times it's to present the info and, you know, what, what they decide to do with it, um, is completely up to them. But I think with them really understanding the full risk, um, it tends them to make, it tends to, to let people make better decisions. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's some really good advice there. And I think, um, if I can give you a, a bit of a story or so you can sort of map it out in your mind, if that makes sense. <laughs> I'm definitely, I'm, I'm about to hit my, my whiteboard right now. Hold on a okay, second. Okay. Perfect. Love it. <laughs> so if someone, so imagine someone, someone purely technical was looking to add skills outside of their normal technical pool. Mm-hmm. What would you recommend from, you know, previously being a project manager or mm-hmm. the soft skills arena and why? Good question. Um, I think, again, it, it boils down to a, a culmination of their communication and presentation skills and the emotional intelligence. Um I say emotional intelligence because, you know, that's part of of the EQ thing is understanding how you are perceived. Um, And a lot of times, you know, techies really work in a binary kind of format, right? You know, hey, this is this is the the finding, you know, this is what you need to do to fix it. It's very, you know, ones and zeros. um, And and that's kind of how we go about presenting information sometimes. Well, you know, ones and zeros are the binary thoughts don't equal, you know, effective communication skills. And so we have to learn to, you know, present information again, that is, you know, going to be digestible to the audience that you're with. So always work on those communication presentation skills. And I, I, I have to preface that with saying that I know a lot of techies that say, oh, I'm going to be techie for my entire career. I'm never going to work with people. Um, I think those people that say that, you know, 10 years down the line, um, you know, they're going to get promoted somehow, some way, or they're going to go into business for themselves or they're going to do something. I just think those skills will be beneficial to to really anyone. So, um, you know, definitely going through learning the, the communication skills, a little bit of emotional intelligence, you know, how to present the information and the things that you're doing um, are definitely some of those soft skills that, um, you know, have, have worked for other professionals and, and tend to really work for me. 
Well, I think that's a really interesting point you raised there because, I mean, I know <laughs> I start with my friends listening to this, but <laughs> they have definitely said that exact same line, like don't talk to people, not yeah. interested, don't yeah. care. I just want to like break stuff in the background mm-hmm. and that's it. Keyboards don't talk back, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I get it. We've, we've I, heard it. And I, I get that, but I mean, I totally agree with you. And you said, you, you know, I have spoken to people before and then, you know, I guess that's why I have a business because a lot of people were struggling with that, that comms front and do, you know, are very good at what they do, very technical, but are like, oh, um, yeah, I now need to talk to a human, but not only talking to them, I now need to sell to them. And that doesn't right. necessarily come naturally to like tech people, right? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I it's think a that's a really thing. valid point that you, sorry to cut you off, that you raised because I hear that all the time, but I'm, I'm looking at it on a spectrum. Like, yes, you're here now, but if you want to, you know, work in consulting or you want to go and work business in yourself, like you need to have a, a relatively good handle on that comms front because you're going to sell your services at the end of the day and without any services being sold, you just, you don't have a business. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And we, we spent a lot of time in our career field, you know, polishing our skills, right? Because technology changes so much. What I don't think we do spend a lot of time is on, on those soft skills. And, you know, we, we don't know what technology is going to do 10 years from now where, you know, we're looking at things like IOT where Mm. that is so, that is so, you know, consumer driven and so many different things that, you know, Tech may may be moving to a realm where it's going to be a lot more, you know, human interaction, for lack of better terms, where, you know, you're, you're going to have to get from behind a keyboard or you're going to have to get from behind, you know, whatever it is that you're doing and whatever lab that you're working in. And you're going to probably, you know, definitely I, I see that working into more residential um, than it is now. Um, so we, we just don't know. So I look at it as a well-rounded professional um, whether you want to stay completely technical or not, having some of those soft skills are going to help you whichever way you decide to go. Um, you know, so just kind of get them when you can. No, that's, that is spot on. That's a really good piece of information that I've, that I haven't heard it a long time. And I think that's something very valuable for people listening to, to think about that moving forward. And I guess, you know, lastly, you've had a really interesting career that I think covers and brings together some valuable skills. So what's next for you? Hmm. Well, I definitely want to continue with the podcast. That's kind of a, um, a uh, you know, a baby of ours. And, and we, we did that solely for the, the fact that we wanted to give back. And, and I get a lot of pleasure out of giving back and, and educating people um, as best as I can. Obviously, I'm, I'm not a, you know, um, you know, subject matter expert in a lot of things, but what I do know, I like to share. And, and, um, there's, there's been some talks of also possibly writing a book, um, you know, something along the lines of, uh, you know, small business or SMB, you know, cyber playbook, if you will. Um, so that's kind of on the horizon and, and, uh, doing more talks and just really educating, um, the general public on, uh, cyber. And, um, so as long as I'm, I'm getting to do that and I can continue to feel like I'm giving back, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of game for any project. That's awesome. That's really cool. I'm looking forward to, um, you know, seeing some of your projects and, um, coming on your podcast. Apparently. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. You have a very, um, interesting, um, you know, aspect to that, um, 
and we're excited to have you because I think our guests are going to, you know, our listeners are going to respond to you very, very well, um, especially being female in tech, which is great, which is a very big um, delta that we have. Obviously, it's it's something that um, I think we need more of and we need um, people with different skill sets to come into tech. And so I think you're hitting a lot of those wickets for people. So that's awesome. You know, we're, we're excited to have you come on. Awesome. I'm definitely looking forward to it. I'm excited as well. Um, so thanks so much for joining us today, Gabriel. If people want to know more about you and what you're doing, how can they find you and get in touch? Absolutely. So um, I would say the best way is check us out at uh, binarybarbershop.com. Um, not only are you going to be able to get um, you know the, the latest and greatest episode, but you get a little bit of our bios. Uh, my bio is on the webpage. You can also find me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm Gabriel Gomez 2. So LinkedIn forward slash Gabriel Gomez 2. Um, and um, you can always hit us up at um, info at binarybarbershop.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. We're looking forward to bringing in frequent snippets of what's happening in the security and emerging tech industries. If you think there's someone I should be speaking with, even if it's you, reach out to media at carissabrianindustries.com and we'll try to make it happen.